Good afternoon and welcome to the 22nd Annual Influential Women in Business Awards presented by Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at BIV. We're a leading source of business information in BC with a breaking news website, daily newsletters, a weekly paper, a daily podcast, nearly two dozen magazines, and of course, in any other year, 30 in-person events. In keeping with pandemic health restrictions, today is a virtual event broadcasting from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. It is now my pleasure to introduce my co-host this afternoon, Anita Bath of CBC Vancouver. Thank you, Haley. I'm so happy to be here uh, participating today as we celebrate the amazing contributions of the 2021 honorees. Today, we're going to hear from six influential British Columbia businesswomen. They are corporate leaders, advisors, chief executives who give back to the province by serving on community and corporate boards. Collectively, their work covers a wide range of issues and industries, and they are exceptional role models and champions for other women looking to advance their own careers. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors for their generous support of today's event. This program would not be possible without the gold sponsors, Chartered Professional Accountants of British Columbia, Faskin, PwC, C-SPAN, Shipyards, Van City, and the event sponsors, CBC Vancouver, where I am today, the Lazy Gourmet and Marquee Wine Cellars. Thank you all for your support for women and business. Now. This was actually the last pre-COVID event that I covered last year, and I can very clearly remember all the elbow bumps that we did. So here's hoping that next year we'll actually be able to do some handshakes in person and uh, that things are a little bit different. I thank you also to Janet Helm, who will be supplying the 2021 recipients with their Physical Influential Women in Business Awards. These stunning awards will be received by our honorees in the weeks ahead. Aren't those just beautiful? Looking forward to getting those to all of our honorees. On behalf of Business in Vancouver, we're pleased to pay tribute to this year's Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Joy McPhail, as well as 2021 honorees, Lottie Davis, Juggie Sahota, Erin Pinkerton, Valerie Mann, and Carol Yao. We will hear from each award winner later this afternoon. They are each featured in this week's edition of Business in Vancouver, and those Q&As will also be shared online throughout the week. The honorees were selected based on the criteria of business success, power and influence within their industry, and contribution to the broader business community. We're thankful to the members of our judging panel, many of whom themselves are previous recipients of our Influential Women in Business Award. Anna Maria Llanos, Kate Ferber, Ratana Stevens, Karima S. Sabar, and Kaylee Wilson. Thank you all very much for your time and insight. In the spirit of celebrating success and championing future leaders, we will also present three additional awards this afternoon. The Michelle Poke Leadership Award and Bursary, presented in partnership with Minerva BC and with support from Van City, is presented each year to a woman who has shown leadership and perseverance in the face of financial hardship. And this year, Minerva BC and BIV are very excited to expand that program by awarding not one, but three individuals with support. All right, it's time to get to the award presentation. And before we do that, we do just want to congratulate my co-host here, Haley, who has now been appointed as the new executive director, or editor rather, of Business in Vancouver. So congrats, Haley. Thank you so much, Anita. <laughs> okay, so the excited. first, I bet, that's an amazing accomplishment. Now, the first award recipient to be recognized today is Lottie Davis, co-founder of AG Hair and the founder and CEO of One Girl Can. Lottie and her husband, John Davis, founded AG Hair in 1989 in the basement of their home in North Vancouver. Over the past 30 years, their handcrafted product line has expanded globally, and AG Hair holds the distinction of being one of the only professional hair care companies in North America to formulate and manufacture its own products. Lottie served as CEO of AG Hair until 2016 when she began focusing her attention on mentorship and philanthropy full-time. 
In 2008, she founded One Girl Can, a charitable organization that works to alleviate gender inequality in Africa by empowering, educating, and mentoring girls. Under Lati's leadership, One Girl Can has built a fully renovated 130 buildings at 12 all-girls schools in Kenya and Uganda. The organization has mentored more than 20,000 students through workshops, conferences, and one-on-one coaching, and has provided 880 girls with scholarships to secondary school and university. Please welcome Lottie Davis. I want to thank Business in Vancouver for creating this opportunity to shine the spotlight on women to demonstrate again that we are capable. But there's no reason why we shouldn't be going full throttle on gender equality now. The data is perfectly clear. Promoting women to leadership positions in business creates greater profits. Preparing women in the Global South through education to join the formal workforce could add $12 trillion to the global GDP by 2025. And the inclusion of more women in higher level decision-making will positively impact social justice issues as well as climate change. Our daughters shouldn't have to fight this battle anymore. While I think it's important to celebrate the accomplishments of a few women and highlight them as role models, we must recognize that there are millions more globally who have no opportunity to ever be recognized, as there are still so many barriers to simply earning an income. All of us have the opportunity to accelerate gender equality by acknowledging our conscious and unconscious biases and taking steps in our personal and business lives to change our attitudes and our processes. It can be that simple. So let's all take the challenge today on International Women's Day and on every day after this to do whatever we can to amplify and activate changes that are needed to finally, once and for all, bring about gender equality. Thank you very much. And Lati, can you talk about how your work with One Girl Can has sort of shaped your perspective on on gender equality issues? I think that working with girls in an environment that is probably 50 to 70 years behind the global north in the progress that they've made in gender equality um, has been a real eye-opener for me to see how far we actually have come and how much knowledge that we as women in the West already have that we can impart and share with with other women who have so far to go still, Um, and how much faster we can get them there just by sharing this knowledge with them. So um, I think that has been the biggest focus and, and highlight for me is how simple it is to help create change based on how far we've come already. Well, and in keeping with that, you talk about how much more needs to be done. So what is your long-term goal? In the short term, the goal is to start introducing entrepreneurial training programs. Uh, We've just recently partnered with Sauter School of Business, who has been doing entrepreneurial training in some of the slums in in Nairobi. Um, And they are customizing a program for girls who are university graduates to help fast track their access to Um, creating a small business and developing a viable business plan. So the challenge that we're coming up with is the education itself isn't enough at this particular point because there are um, so few jobs and such competition for the jobs that do exist in many African countries. So we're trying to train the students that we have to help sustain them while they are trying to get into that career in civil engineering or or law um, and so that they don't need to go back to their villages and and aren't at risk of getting married and starting a family too young. Um, So this is one of the most exciting things we're doing on a short-term basis and long-term. I hope that we can start replicating this model, which is working really well and um, offering it to other countries as well. Congrats on your accomplishments. Thank you. Thank you. To introduce our next award recipient, Juggy Sahota, I will in a moment welcome Carmen Boscovich, partner at Faskin.
Faskin is British Columbia's largest law firm, and with more than 140 lawyers in Vancouver and Surrey, it provides a range of business law and litigation services. It is a full-service firm with offices in Canada, the UK, South Africa, and China. Founded in the mid-1800s, Faskin merged leading firms in 2000. Today, Faskin has 10 offices and more than 750 lawyers across Canada and internationally. Faskin was recognized in 2019 as BC's best employers, one of BC's best employers. And in 2018, the firm achieved Mansfield Rule 2.0 certification, a designation confirming at least 30% of candidates for significant leadership roles in law firms include women, LGBTQ+, and visible minority lawyers. Faskin recognizes the significant contributions of women in the workforce and has been a proud sponsor of the BIV Influential Women in Business Awards for 10 years. Please welcome from Faskin, Carmen Boscovich. Thanks, Haley. Good afternoon, everybody. As Vice President of Consumer Health, Juggy Sahoda is responsible for the national strategy execution and operation of TELUS's consumer health business. Under Juggy's exceptional leadership, the TELUS Health team dramatically scaled up capacity for virtual care service Babylon by TELUS Health in order to meet a five-fold increase in demand during the COVID-19 pandemic. The expansion provides 25 million Canadians with the ability to see a doctor from their smartphone. Juggy currently serves as vice chair of the Vancouver General Hospital and University of British Columbia Hospital Foundation Board. She's a board member of the Vancouver Airport Authority and the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. And most recently, she joined the City of Vancouver's Racial and Ethno-Cultural Equity Advisory Committee. Juggy is also a past recipient of BIV's 40 Under 40 Award. I'm so pleased to welcome Juggy Sahoda today. Congratulations, Juggy. Wow, thank you so much, Carmen. What a surprise. Uh, Carmen, wonderful to see you here, and congratulations on your amazing accomplishments. Thank you so much, uh, BIV, for this generous recognition. I am truly, truly grateful, and I am really honored and inspired to be among Joy, Carol, Erin, Lottie, uh, and Valerie uh, today. I'm deeply thankful for being raised by brave leaders uh, like my mom and my dad, uh, my late grandfather, and I'm so grateful for the love, support, and encouragement of my siblings, Fale, Minde, Harry, and my husband, Duane. I'm thankful as well to my incredible team at TELUS, who I have the privilege of working with every day on our mission to revolutionize access to healthcare for all Canadians. It's not an easy journey. Uh, indeed, there are many barriers along the way when you're driving change, but I have to say it's absolutely fulfilling and it's truly worth it. My goal in life is that I want to have the greatest positive impact on society that I can have, leveraging all of my strengths and platforms and doing this through the lens of intersectionality. Uh, my leadership journey and influence very deliberately spans health, business, racial and social justice, gender equality, globalization. And I also want to influence youth and the next generation of leaders. More to come, I hope, on that front soon. I'm achieving some of this right now through my leadership at TELUS uh, and through my volunteer boards and advisory work. Uh, many people shake their heads at what my calendar might look like, uh, but honestly, it's, it is all such a privilege. Uh, my personal perspective and development broadens and deepens greatly as a result of all of these efforts. And I feel truly grateful to be on a path to fulfilling the real journey that I want to be on uh, at this point. I'm pretty sanguine in my disposition. I'm always striving for how things can be better and how I can be better. I feel like I am spending the time that I have and focusing my energy and intellect on what matters most. And that's extending and expanding my leadership reach to drive as much societal good as I can in my lifetime and hopefully beyond. Who I get to be today depends a lot on where I came from. I come from a long lineage of farmers in India and in Punjab. My late grandfather, a proud, hardworking, progressive leader among them. If he were here today, I know how happy he would be to see how much progress has been made and how far we have come societally. He'd also be deeply concerned though about what's happening in India right now with one of the largest P 
peaceful protests in the world underway right now with the farmers, the Kassan. My heart is with them now, well over a hundred days in their plight. They are peacefully protesting for their livelihoods now and against escalating oppression for the future. I would like to dedicate this award to them and especially to the women, the women Kassan who are on the front lines. I hope and I pray for a peaceful conclusion in the very, very near future. Thank you once again, BIV, for this honor. I cherish it greatly. There's lots of work yet to be done. Lottie, you said it so beautifully. Uh, and I'm also very happy and privileged to be a part of driving the change uh, for this next generation. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Juggy, and thank you so much for sharing that very touching dedication. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is in your Q&A with BIB, you shared that 2020 was perhaps the most challenging year of your career, but maybe at the same time, the most fulfilling. Can you give us a bit of insight into what this past year has been like for you scaling up Babylon Vitalis Health at a time when virtual healthcare services have perhaps never been as critical as they are today? Uh, I think that at some point there's a script in here somewhere for a new TV streaming show that we, maybe we could all binge watch uh, at a time in the future. Thank you so much, Haley. Uh, almost everything that could go wrong probably went wrong. And the level of stress uh, that, we, that we had and, and my team in particular endured. And I just, I'm just so privileged to be working, working with these uh, amazing leaders on the consumer health team. Uh, lots happened. So the pandemic happened. Uh, the you know the surge in demand for our services happened. Our service, our Babylon by Telus Health service, was just a, a baby service at the time, and we had to, we were just operating in BC and going well. But uh, all of a sudden, we had to launch in almost every other province in the country. Uh, we had to hire hundreds of doctors, uh, and it weighed really heavy on all of our leaders because we knew that people were trying to get access to healthcare during a healthcare pandemic. Uh, you know, there's never a more important time for us to be stepping up and helping our fellow Canadians than that moment. So the year was very much like that. Uh, lots of twists and turns along the way and uh, in making sure that we are delivering a service, a healthcare service with quality at the front end of everything that we do and never letting quality suffer was no easy feat. But we did it. The team was amazing. Uh, they had a lot of grit and resilience and they adapted. We moved people for, to a variety of different roles at the time. So played to their strengths more than anything else to help. And uh, I'm really proud of them uh, in terms of how 2020 was. And personally, it was a, absolutely one of the most challenging years of my entire career and equally the most fulfilling. Well, thank you for all of the work that you've done. I look forward to watching that TV show if and when we ever get to see a behind the scenes look at everything you and your team have gone through. Congratulations, Juggy, on this well-deserved award. Thank you so much, Haley. Our next award recipient is Aaron Pinkerton, who will be introduced by Lori Matheson, President and CEO of Chartered Professional Accountants of British Columbia. CPABC is the training, governing, and regulatory body for more than 37,000 CPAs. For more than 100 years, the accounting profession in BC has provided effective self-regulation of its members and considers protecting the public its core mandate. Please welcome Lori Matheson. Hi everyone, and just a huge congratulations to all the winners today. Before the age of 40, Erin Pinkerton became the first female president and CEO of BC Transit. Under her leadership, the organization has executed award-winning marketing and planning initiatives, which have earned Erin a reputation for not only being a leader, but an innovator and an active champion on transportation issues. Thanks to her strong leadership, local governments in Greater Victoria approved a plan to build rapid transit bus lanes along the busiest corridor in Victoria. In 2018, she led the launch of BC Bus North, the first long-haul bus service in British Columbia. Erin chaired the Transportation Committee for Victoria's Smart Cities Challenge Project and is currently leading BC Transit towards a fully electrified fleet. Erin has been recognized as one of Mass Transit Magazine's top 40 under 40 transportation professionals in North America. Please welcome Aaron Pinkerton. Thank you. I want to start by acknowledging I'm speaking today from the Lekwungen traditional territory, homeland of the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations over in sunny, beautiful Victoria. Uh, I FaceTimed my nephews when I won this award and my youngest nephew looked at me with a confused expression and he asked me, what does influential mean? 
And I responded with the classic dictionary definition of, you know, being able to persuade someone to do something to achieve results. He paused again, still looked confused. And he's like, but you're a CEO. You can just tell them to do it. And while he did make me laugh, it made me stop for a moment and think about his question and really try to understand like the boil down from the, uh, where did the inspiration come from? Where does inspirational leadership come from? Um, personally for myself, I realized that after years of playing competitive sports and often in the captain role, leading a team requires a very, very high level of trust. And I wanna explain uh, an example of what I dealt with in, in that. So I was a fastball pitcher um, and I put the hours and hours in the backyard perfecting my skills as a pitcher. And thank you to my mom who is on the call today. She sat on an ice cream bucket catching those balls for me. Now, the thing is, is when it comes time to the actual game, you're only just one person out there. And, you know, in fastball, for those that don't follow it very much, your catcher calls every pitch you throw. So you have to trust that catcher to choose the pitch. And I, you know, I have memories to these days, you know, I throw the pitch, the ball releases from my hand, it spins towards the batter, they swing, you somewhat close your eyes because you're really close to the batter at this point, you hear the crack of the bat, and the ball flies through the air behind you. And at this point, you literally stand there and put all your trust in the team that is behind you to get the job done. And I honestly believe that this is the perspective that I've brought to the workplace with me. Uh, as a CEO, I see myself as the team captain that inspires, gives direction, and pushes our team to the ultimate win. In the case of BC Transit, it was mentioned already, but we have big plans to increase ridership around the province. We want to modernize public transit through our services, investments in electric buses, advanced fare payments, real-time tracking, dedicated bus lanes, and transit-oriented development. The future of our communities is based on a sol solid foundation of transit. So when my nephew who asked me what influential means, my response to him was that my title might grant me the ability to tell people what to do, but as a leader, I wanna influence my team that shares the same vision to trust each other to do it together. And I believe that this award does show that my approach is working because it takes such an amazing team and the support of my board of directors to trust each other, share in that vision and have the passion to achieve such ambitious goals across the province within what we're trying to do here at BC Transit. So I wanna thank Business in Vancouver for this recognition. And as everyone has already said, congratulations to all the other award winners today. So much, so very much well-deserved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Aaron Pickerton, congratulations, and I love that perspective. I think it's uh, it would be great to see all leaders have that. And yeah, thank you. Um, I do want to know though. You know, you talk about um, leadership, and I'm sure that you were a mentor for a lot of people. How, what role has mentorship played in your own career? Absolutely. I mean, anybody who's trying to make it in the corporate world should have some level of a mentor. Uh, whether or not you have your own personal team of mentors, whether it be a friend, a family, um, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what gender it is, have someone that you can help go through the good, the bad and the ugly with, have someone that will tell you the cold hard truth behind the scenes to say that wasn't working or that is working. I think it's really important that you find someone within your career path that knows who you are and that you can trust because uh, a lot of people will say, yes, you're doing good, but who's the person who's challenging you to think, keep going, keep going. You can do better. You can do better. So definitely find your own personal board of mentees. All right. Thank you, Erin, and congrats. Thank you. We are approximately halfway through our awards program today. Introducing our next recipient, Valerie Mann, will be Callie Johnson, a partner and managing director with PwC Canada's corporate finance team. With over 7,300 partners and staff located coast to coast, PwC Canada provides quality services and products that help solve important problems. Their industry-focused professional services include audit and assurance, tax, deals, and consulting solutions for areas including cybersecurity, privacy, workforces of the future, financial transformation, value creation, strategic reassessment, and cost optimization. They recognize that to solve important problems, they need to be inclusive 
inclusive of diverse talent and use the power of differences to achieve their goals. Setting goals such as their 50-50 gender parity on partner admits and the creation of their award-winning Women in Leadership program have helped them to stay accountable in making progress. Please welcome Callie Johnson. Thank you, Haley. I am pleased to be introducing Valerie Mann, a woman I've known for many years and have had the pleasure to work with. During nearly 30 years at Lawson Lundell, Valerie has risen to lead many different business practices, served in management, and has received numerous recognitions, both within the business community and the law community. In 2012, Val became the first female managing partner in Lawson Lundell's 130 year history. And during that time, her firm was named number one regional law firm in Canada by the Chambers and Partners and the number one regional law firm in British Columbia, Alberta and the North by the Canadian Lawyer Magazine. Val has been instrumental in the development of a new practice group at Lawson Lundell. She started the technology group, which she continues to share and has grown to include a team of more than 25 lawyers. Now it's out of law, she's become a chair of CWB Metro Vancouver board this year, and she's going to serve her third term in the Business Council of British Columbia's Board of Governors. And she's also been inducted into the Women's Executive Network Top 100 Hall of Fame. Please welcome Valerie Mann. Thank you, Callie. And it's, it's so good to see you. <laughs> it's been, been uh, such a very long time. Um, thank you very much. Happy International Women's Day 2021, everyone. Um, thank you to BIV for the award and, and for giving all of us an opportunity to celebrate leadership in the business community in our city. Um, congratulations to the amazing women being recognized uh, today, Carol, Aaron, Juggy, Lottie and Joy. Uh, your stories and incredible successes are inspiring uh, and I'm really honored to be included uh, amongst you today. I also want to thank the people who put my name forward, um, including Murray and Jill and my clients who've been so supportive. Like everyone else, I really look forward to uh, the day when we can get together in person for events like this. Who would have guessed that almost exactly a year ago, we'd still be doing this 12 months, uh, 12 months later. Uh, over 30 years of practicing corporate law, that's hard to say out loud, um, I've had the opportunity to work with uh, a myriad of businesses, uh, different industries, different stages of development. Uh, I've worked with capital providers to businesses that drive the economy. In many ways, I've had a very, very lucky journey. Uh, and one that I know in part, uh, in large part, has to do with, with privilege, with financial security, with having a very supportive life partner. Um, as challenging as it has been at times, uh, it could certainly have been so much more so. When I started my career, uh, there were very few women in the C-suite of my clients. Uh, there were precious few women partners in law firms, including my own. And both have changed. Uh, that's a good thing, but it still feels slow. Uh, you know, in our profession, we, we like to, to say we've now got a certain percentage of women in the firm. We have a certain percentage of women in partnership. But we have to be careful about what we measure and we have to be real about what role all of those women are playing and how important it is for them to be playing leadership roles in, those, uh, in our profession and around the table and making the decisions. I'm mindful that the journey is still uh, far away from gender parity and uh, I'm hopeful, but I'm worried. Um, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so that's baked into my psyche. I'm paid to be worried, uh, but I'm worried about how we rebuild. Um, I'm also by nature impatient. Uh, and you know, frankly, it's, it's just bloody well time we move the needle a lot. Uh, frankly, how many times do we have to demonstrate that true diversity and inclusiveness in leadership and on boards leads to better discussions, better decisions, better outcomes, more innovation, corporate sustainability, profitability. You know, we just had 12 months of real live global profile of success and failure in dealing with the pandemic. And it's no accident that some of the most successful jurisdictions managing through the pandemic are countries led by women. As we emerge from this once in a lifetime event, we get one clear shot to get this right. 
COVID-19 very quickly exposed in our society problems that were barely below the surface. It's impacted women in the workforce far more significantly. Uh, within a very short period of time after the World Health Organization pronounced COVID-19 a global pandemic, we, had a, we knew we were heading into a global recession and a, a secondary name emerged and it's a she-session. The increased burden of childcare, homeschooling, elder care, all coupled with job insecurity comes from the pandemic and women's participation in the labor force shrank to levels not seen in 30 years. That's sort of depressing based on when I started my career. Women's participation, uh, it, it risks setting us back and progress back for, for all women. And a, a topic near and dear to my heart, it's also been more challenging for, for women accessing capital in the past year. Um, you know, for those of us who've been reading lately Robin Doolittle's investigative piece in the Globe and Mail, uh, The Power Gap, uh, you know that this isn't a risk of sliding back from a place of equality to begin with. It's a step back from a step back. We have an incredible group here today with demonstrated success in, in key sectors of our economy like transit, health tech, telecommunications, success in academia and governance, building companies from the ground up, media, and success and courage in politics. That's a powerful force to come together to project our voice and extend our hands to move that needle further and faster. And that's my hope today. And thank you again to, uh, to everyone for the award. Thank you very much, Val, and thanks for taking a moment to highlight this She Session and the impact this pandemic has had on women. I want to ask you about being first, the first managing partner at an institution that has a very long, very old history. What was that like and what insight can you offer other women who maybe today are finding themselves in that position of being first? Well, it, it took it took us a while. You know, that's a <laughs> that's a long, a long time to get to that point. Uh, and I, you know, I certainly hope it isn't, isn't the last. You, you know, the one thing I went into it feeling very, uh, very much was that uh, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't something that I, just I had to do. I, I, I had to make sure that I wasn't the last. You know, you very much go into it thinking, I can't fart this up, pardon my language, but uh, because there are so many people who are counting on, on a, a more diverse leadership. Uh, so you internalize an awful lot of that. Other than that, it was bringing the style of leadership that I brought to the firm. I had already been with them for a, for a long time. I, I knew everyone and they knew me. Uh, so it was, I, I guess, a, um, an honor <laughs> to, to be able to do it, to be selected by them to do it. Uh, I certainly learned a lot. Uh, and, I, and I hope we've set the stage for a lot more involvement of women in our firm. Well said, Val. Congratulations once again, and thank you for all of your leadership in the field of law and in our broader community. Thank you. All right, Christine Bergeron, President and CEO of Van City, will join us in a moment to introduce award recipient Carol Liao. Van City is a values-based financial or cooperative serving the needs of its more than 543,000 member owners and their communities with branches, 54 of them located in Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, Victoria, Squamish and Alert Bay within the unceded territories of the Coast Salish and Kwakwakaewak people. With $28.2 billion in assets plus assets under administration, Van City is Canada's largest community credit union. Van City uses its assets to help improve the financial well-being of its members while at the same time helping to develop healthy communities that are socially, economically, and environmentally sustainable. Please welcome Christine Bergeron. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, as an organization that has for decades championed diversity, sustainability, and transparency, and as someone who has personally known Carol for many years, I am delighted to be introducing her today. A beloved educator, a diversity champion, and a highly respected leader in the field of business law, Dr. Carol Yao is helping to shift the future of corporate governance towards a new era of sustainable business. 
As director of the Center for Business Law, UBC, Carol has reinvigorated a research center that provides more than 3,000 business leaders, practitioners, scholars, and students with access to cutting edge legal education and networking. Carol is also at the forefront of the intersection between climate change and corporate governance as a co-lead of the Canada Climate Law Initiative. Its flagship initiative is a Canadian Climate Governance Experts Program, which offers boards pro bono sessions on governance strategies to help them address climate-related risks and opportunities. She's also an associate professor at the Allard School of Law and a distinguished scholar of the Dillon Center for Business Ethics. It is with such joy that I ask you to join me in welcoming a true powerhouse, my friend, Carol Yao. Thank you so much, Christine, my dear friend. It's such an honor to be introduced by such a superstar here in Vancouver. And I am so humbled to be named along with this fabulous group of women. I wanna thank Business in Vancouver for the incredible honor and for hosting this event along with all these generous uh, sponsors. I'm grateful to be recognized for the impact my work has had on industry and receiving this award on International Women's Day, of course, makes me feel a bit emotional. Um, racialized and Indigenous women are significantly underrepresented in leadership roles in the business sector and in academia. And so for those of us who have broken through some barriers, uh, we have the platform to use our voices to advance change. And being a scholar is a privilege. We have academic freedom, something that I feel personally obligates me to speak the truth and engage in public education and discourse. You know, I, I don't conduct research, write articles or op-eds for no one to read. I, I do it because uh, I want uh, to make a difference. And COVID-19 has only exacerbated the inequalities that we have in our society and the disproportionate impacts that cut across gender and racial lines. And as we've seen from Me Too and Black Lives Matter, there is still a lot of work to do. And when I think about my three kids and how future pandemics are linked to climate change, this next decade is such an important one. Uh, our window of time to limit the effects of this climate crisis is shrinking and boards have a fiduciary obligation to put climate related risks on the board agenda. Maintaining the status quo just isn't gonna do it. So I look forward to continuing to push towards a net zero carbon economy and the diversification of boards and senior management goes hand in hand with integrating sustainable business practices. As Valerie put so eloquently, diversity in leadership, it reduces groupthink, it improves organizational awareness of risk factors and it fuels creativity and innovation. So the business, legal and ethical cases for sustainability and diversity are crystal clear. And it's not too late for theories and business strategies to be redrawn in this climate emergency. So I have a lot of hope for that. Um, I wanna thank my nominators, my family, my friends, uh, colleagues in my community for all their support and encouragement over the years. I wanna recognize my team at the Center for Business Law at UBC, as well as my wonderful colleagues and friends at the Dillon Center for Business Ethics and the Canada Climate Law Initiative. There is so much good work being done right now in this space and I'm humbled to be around such great people that inspire me every day. Um, in particular, I wanna thank my husband, uh, Kyle Fogden and our three kids, Lucy, Skye and Hannah, who keep me grounded and remind me every day of what's important. And I hope very much uh, to continue using my influence uh, to work towards a sustainable and better future for our younger generations. So thank you so much. Thanks, Carolyn. I want to ask, how do you think that organizations can increase that diversity in leadership in the short term? Because there's a lot of talk about doing it, you know, in the long term and that it takes time. But how do how do organizations lean toward it sooner? Uh, you know, I do a lot of uh, training sessions with my industry partner, Shona McGlashan, on equity, diversity and inclusion in leadership. And there's a lot um, to be said about recognizing the historical uh, impacts that have led us to this point, right, that influence how we determine what issues are regarded as problems, how those problems are solved, and whose interests we deem are worthy of being protected. And so really, it's just making that conscious effort. We, 
we talk a lot about that recognition, but it's that consciousness raising on unconscious biases that I think put a play that, you know, you can have, you see a lot of organizations that have diversity policies that declare things that make public statements, but something happens at the local level that's preventing women, racialized and indigenous peoples from rising up the ranks. And it's that local level awareness of um, that, that unconscious bias that may be pervading that people need to, I think, be um, cognizant of. And it takes dedication, it takes intention, and it also takes a lot of heavy lifting to have those conversations. So, you know, I think um, for that immediate effect, it's that individual and collective awareness of that reality in our history that has led us to this point in that active um, willingness to do something about it. And so, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk, right? Absolutely, well said. Thank you and congratulations, Carol. Thank you so much. Our final Influential Women in Business Award recipient today is Joy McPhail, who is being honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Melanie Bradley, General Counsel at C-SPAN Shipyards, will join us in just a moment to introduce Joy. C-SPAN Shipyards is a leading Canadian shipyard company. C-SPAN's Vancouver Shipyards at the foot of Pemberton in North Vancouver is the strategic non-combat shipbuilding partner for the Canadian government, building high-quality, larger ships for the Canadian Coast Guard and Royal Canadian Navy. Just east of Lonsdale Key is C-SPAN's Vancouver Dry Dock, where ship refits, conversions, and overhauls are performed on a variety of vessels, including BC ferries. C-SPAN's Victoria Shipyards maintains and refits Navy frigates and submarines, as well as a range of other types of vessels. C-SPAN Shipyards is very proud of its highly skilled BC workforce of approximately 2,800, its BC supply chain of more than 400 companies, and the tremendous contributions it is making to the BC and Canadian economies. Please welcome Melanie Bradley. Thank you. Um, Joy McPhail is a renowned political figure, widely recognized for her political acumen, as well as her achievements in business. She served as MLA for Vancouver Hastings from 1991 to 2005, during which time she held many distinguished leadership positions, including Deputy Premier, Leader of the Opposition, and Minister of Finance. As Minister responsible for BC Transit, Joy worked with municipal governments to set up the first autonomous regional public transit and transportation system in the province, known as TransLink. Outside of her political career, Joy co-owns OutTV, which is now the world's longest airing and most successful LGBTQ television network. Today, the network boasts more than 1 million subscribers and exports original programming to Europe and the US. Joy continues to contribute her time and expertise to a number of important and high profile organizations and initiatives. She has served as vice chair for the Mobility Pricing Independent Commission, which examined ways to improve transportation options, congestion and fairness in Metro Vancouver. She currently chairs the board of ICBC and was most recently appointed jointly by the governments of BC and Canada as chair of the BC Housing Affordability Panel. Please welcome Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Joy McVale. Thank you very much, Melanie. And uh, when I take the C bus across to ICBC headquarters, C-SPAN is right there, I can wave to you. Um, uh, thank you for those kind words. I, I wanna thank Business in Vancouver for this very surprising uh, to me, a uh, lifetime award. And congratulations to all of the other uh, uh, achievers. Uh, I, I can hardly wait to meet you all in, in person and I'm so um, honored to be uh, by your side at this time. I do want to acknowledge that I am on the unceded territory of uh, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam territory. Um, I thought, what could I do that's different from all these brilliant women that are um, speaking today as well? And I thought, well, it's lifetime. Why don't you talk about what your lifetime has been? Um, I've been 45 years of activism uh, in the social justice movement, uh, wanting to bring about, working on bringing about economic equality as a feminist. So let me just go through my five top changes that I've noted over those, those 45 years. And um, I hope it brings some optimism because you brilliant young women have spoken to 
um, your achievements and how much more we have to do. And you're absolutely right. But let me just talk for a second about how far we've come. Um, the first one, first and the most important is childcare and early childhood education. Um, when I started out, it was your mom. And if you didn't have your mom close by, you put the, your children to the uh, next door or you fought like heck to get the 20 seats available in, uh, uh, in formal childcare in your neighborhood. And now there's a long way to go and I want childcare to be universal and free, uh, but we have early childhood education. Our kids are getting uh, uh, educated uh, at the age of four in our formal system but we've come a long way. And childcare to me is the single best um, thing that the anybody can do to in, move toward economic equality. Second, women ten, attending post-secondary institutions. Uh, Professor Lau, you will know this, that the change in enrollment at post-secondary level is amazing that it's now the vast majority of enrollment is young women. Uh, women going into our post-secondary institutions. Now that's not good for our young men, but uh, the fact that up to 70% of undergraduate enrollment as women is a huge change from my day when it was less than a quarter of enrollment would have been uh, women. Um, the second one, or the third one, uh, I, I think it was, uh, who spoke to this? Maybe Valerie about um, uh, credit, women getting credit in business, financial credit. Well, it's come a long way. When I first, when I first started out, women had to be co-signed by a man, had to get a, a signature. Like, you young women can't even imagine that. I know that. And you, will, you wouldn't put up with it, and we didn't put up with it, but it took a long time for the financial institutions to uh, come aboard. But that's a huge change for women in business and independence. Uh, I'm sure Lottie would be, uh, well, maybe Lottie's experience was like that at the beginning, but uh, I know now for sure, having heard her speak, that she'd never put up with that uh, in this day and age. So that's a huge breakthrough. Erin, um, uh, you were asked about mentorship. That's another major change uh, over the 45 years, that uh, women mentoring each other. I'm not sure what we called it. I think we used to hang out at the laundromat and talk about each other's problems and try to support each other from that perspective. But now we formalized it and entrenched it into our support for each other. And the corporate world has had to catch up. I did hear last week, though, um, in talking with uh, my CEO at uh, ICBC, that perhaps the best thing women could do is mentor young men to make real change. So I'm keeping that on my list of things uh, to do. The last thing I wanna say, the last biggest change is government pensions for seniors. And why do I say that? Well, just as recently as the uh, 80s and early 90s, a large portion of senior women lived in poverty. I wanna, I, it almost makes me cry. My early days in pol politics, elected politics, was shoring up the support for senior women who had no acknowledgement of their unpaid time in contributing to uh, the greater good, uh, to the GDP, frankly. Uh, their work was not acknowledged. And so governments brought in, made huge changes, uh, uh, the old age security, Guaranteed income supplement, safer, which is rental support for elderly seniors. Huge change. So we've got a ways to go, but today I want to celebrate with you the changes that I've personally seen over the last 45 years uh, of activism and to thank all of you for allowing me to uh, share that with you. Thanks so much. Congratulations, Joy, on your Lifetime Achievement Award. As you mentioned, and it was also mentioned by other winners, there has been a lot of change, and thank you for covering that. But as you noted, there's still so much change left to go. On that note, what advice can you offer the next generation of female politicians and business leaders? Never accept the status quo. Uh, it can. Uh, that's what I say to my uh, relatives, to young women that I'm fortunate enough to work with. You've said it, all of you've said it. 
the status quo is not good enough. And uh, make sure that at every turn, whether you're on the job, whether you're in school, whether you're at your community center, whether you're at the sidelines of your girls' soccer uh, uh, team, um, whether you're at church, never accept the status quo in those institutions until we have true economic equality. Thank you, Joy, for your leadership in politics, in business, in the community, and congratulations on your well-deserved Lifetime Achievement Award. Thanks, everybody. Congratulations, Joy. We have three more leaders to recognize this afternoon, three recipients of the 2021 Michelle Poke Leadership Award. As a prominent lawyer and community activist, Michelle was the living personification of making a positive difference in the world. She fought valiantly to promote the economic success and impact of women in a variety of areas, from energy and mining to environmental and Indigenous legal issues. In her memory, BIV and Minerva BC, with the support of Van City every year, award one woman with a $5,000 bursary to support her in her educational endeavors. Please welcome Kirsten Sutton, Van City Chief Technology and Information Officer and past chair of Minerva BC to introduce this year's recipient. Thank you and good afternoon, everyone. I am really honored to be here to present this very special award in the memory of a very special woman. And I'm really grateful to be connected to all three of these equally special organizations that are bringing this award to you today, whether that's Business in Vancouver, Minerva, BC, or now Van City. Our recipient, Megan Newman, is a single mother of three and a criminology student at the Douglas College. After completing her second year, she plans to transfer to Simon Fraser University to complete her bachelor's in criminology. Megan's goal is to become an Indigenous lawyer with the ability to represent individuals who require support and whose circumstances may not be fully understood by non-Indigenous lawyers and court workers. Can you believe that in addition to being a mother of three and a full-time student, Megan is a case manager with the Elizabeth Fry Society of Greater Vancouver's Hotels to Homes Shelter Diversion Program. She's also on the board of the Easy Does It Club in Surrey, which supports individuals in their addiction struggles. Van City is thrilled that Michelle Poke's legacy lives on through women just like Megan. Please join me, all of you, in welcoming Megan Newman to the broadcast to accept her 2021 Michelle Poke Leadership Award. Thank you, Kirsten. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that we reside on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, my own people, and that thank you for allowing me to be the recipient today. I'd also like to thank Sean Bay, CEO of the Elizabeth Fry Society of the Greater Vancouver Area for sending out the email to all of our staff um, so that we could apply. And shout out to my team at the Sandman Hotel, um, you know, in in the local area, um, Hotels to Homes program where I currently work. Um, this award is a great honor, not only as an Indigenous woman of Coast Salish ancestry um, that resides in the local area, um, but so that I can actually have the ability to be the voice for all the murdered and missing Indigenous women and men that have no representation that seem to have been forgotten by uh, the rest of the world. This award allows me to continue with my criminology studies whilst being a full-time mom and full-time shelter employee. I would not be here if it was not for the strong matriarchs who guide my family, uh, my Yaya, Yvonne, Rigsby, Jones, and the rest of my aunts and grandparents, and my mom. This award allows me to continue to be the voice of change for our Indigenous people and make a difference within our own communities. Michelle Poke was an inspiration, and I hope that one day I might be able to follow in similar footsteps with the guidance of the strong women I have in my life. I also want to bring light to the overdose epidemic that we are facing and bring light to the controversial topic and be an example that there is a way out and that our Indigenous traditions and culture and families are calling us home and helping us to try and overcome addiction together. My goal is to be an example for the people still suffering with addiction, to stop stigmatizing addiction, and that I will represent the marginalized population of the downtown east side, and in particular, Indigenous people within the law and criminology field. Thank you. 
Thank you, Megan, and congratulations. I think you already are an inspiration to many people, not just in your community, but women everywhere. So I know for me, this is actually a question that I really want to know, and I'm sure everybody else wants to know. How do you do it? How do you juggle work, school, a single mother of three, and community engagement? Well, like one of the previous speakers, uh, we're very fortunate that in Canada, we have access to childcare, you know? Um, if it wasn't for my daycare, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to go to work and go to school. And, you know, really when it comes down to it, my family, especially my grandparents and my mom really stepping up and uh, really takes a village to raise children. And that's what's happening. And my sister's always there to support me no matter what. That's incredible. Well, congratulations again, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Due to the overwhelming number of candidate submissions this year, BIV and Minerva BC have decided to award two additional individuals with bursaries of $1,500 each. Please welcome honorees Caitlin Beal and Nikki Frazier. Caitlin is taking her third year of law school at the University of Victoria while raising her younger brother. And Nikki is a single mother of two and sociology student at Thompson Rivers University. Welcome Caitlin and Nikki. I want to ask both of you a quick question about first what this award means to you, but also I understand you both intend to go on to complete PhDs, so maybe you can share with our audience today. Nikki, I'll start with you about how you intend to perhaps use this bursary to help support your broader and longer term educational and professional ambitions. So, Nikki Fraser and Squest to Kamloopsa Stechlin. Hello, everybody. I just introduced myself in my language. Um, I'm from the Sequetbic Nation, which is located here in Kamloops um, in the interior of British Columbia. And so, yes, my future uh, endeavors, my long-term goal is to continue learning and unlearning and uh, being a, a, an active member within my community and my nation. I do wanna, my long-term goal is to get my PhD and I said I won't stop uh, until I have doctor in front of my name. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, the, the whole um, inspiration behind that is uh, one, my kids, but also uh, someone else mentioned, I believe Carol said that we have to uh, make the change for our future generations. And that's what has been really my motivation, not only my kids, but their peers, my nieces and nephews and, and the indigenous community at whole. So I'm really, uh, excited for my journey. It um, can feel uh, a little lonely at times and there's been a lot of sacrifices not only that I have made but my children have made for this academic journey. So uh, any award that I received they also benefit from it as well too. They are, they are also recipients because they also have to sacrifice mom time going out for walks time because I have to stay at home and read. So it's definitely um, a family effort for this degree, even though I'm beginning my journey, it's something that I, I always include them in, in my journey. They've always, they've never been an obstacle. They've always been a motivation and someone to support me and help me. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing with my academic journey and venture into uh, law and, uh, human rights for Indigenous uh, people with a focus, a gender focused line on Indigenous women and girls. And then, um, yeah, that's, I'm really looking forward to that. And it's just the beginning. So, and I hope that uh, my journey inspires more uh, Indigenous people to do it as well too. So Kukshachim, thank you everybody. I'm so honored and it was so inspiring to listen to all your guys' speeches today. It really shows the diversity in leadership. Um, and that we, we are all leaders in our own ways and we all have gifts to contribute. And so whether that be at the forefront or whether that be at the grassroots level, I think it's just amazing to see how each and one of you have done that. And it's uh, definitely shows that uh, we all have to work together. And I, and I think you could see that here in all these recipients. So Kukstachim for the, the opportunity to receive this award because it's definitely gonna help me and my children. Kukstachim. Congratulations again, Nikki. It sounds like you have a very fulfilling, very ambitious, very exciting career and educational journey ahead of you. And you're going to be a leader who doesn't just accept the status quo, as Joy McPhail would say, you're going to foster some change. So congratulations once again. And our congratulations too to Caitlin Beal, who unfortunately was unable to join us today.
To all of our honorees today, our sincere congratulations. We thank you for your commitment to our community. You're each a role model for all business people, men and women, young, not so young, to strive towards their business goals and give back to the community at large. In place of a photo shoot, we usually have a big photo shoot on stage. Everybody groups in and you know goes arm to arm. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So we'd like to ask all influential women in business and Michelle Poke Leadership Award recipients to stay with us for a group screenshot at the end of the event. A big thank you once again to our sponsors, our gold sponsors, Chartered Professional Accountants of British Columbia, Faskin, PWC, C-SPAN Shipyards, and Van City, as well as a big thank you to our event sponsors, CBC Vancouver, The Lazy Gourmet, and Marquee Wine Cellars. A special thank you to Albert Van Santbort and the whole team at BIV for making this event today a reality. Nominations for the 2022 Influential Women in Business Awards program are opening soon and can be accessed once they're live at BIV.com slash events. Already live, donations for the Michelle Poke Leadership Award can be made at BIV.com slash leadership dash award. Thank you to everyone who joined us today. Happy International Women's Day and congratulations once again to all of our award recipients. We look forward to connecting with you once again in the spring, hopefully in person next time. In the meantime, stay well and stay safe.